0: Happy Taco Tuesday, baby. It's the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Man, there's a lot going on, even though uh, football season is not here yet. Actually, we're pretty close to, we're about, what, a month and a half away from, uh, less than a month and a half away from high school football. Right I ran into uh, Felipe Ohostro today, and uh, he's getting ready to, to, um, you know, start the football season he's get chomping at again. the bit yeah yeah maybe we get felipe on the show if we can uh, get him on and talk about a little high school football yes all right and um okay uh boy I, we didn't get a chance to get this yesterday Brittany griner and her, her wife not being able to talk now they've rescheduled that the uh naomi osaka is teaming up with lebron james to do a project about patsy mink how cool is that uh brooks (laughs) kepka i told you i can't even think of this is the guy that was it's a dark cloud don't talk about the live tour as he's negotiating a deal for himself he's headed over to the uh, live tour but really we start with uh attorney tony busby find out today 20 of the 24 lawsuits filed against deshaun watson have been settled And I don't know what to make of that. To me, that looks, they're settled because, uh, you know, obviously he just wants to go ahead and play football. And let me collect that 230 million guaranteed as fast as I can. So the one way to do it is get these people out of my hair and just pay them off. Um,. It, it, it it's not a good look. I mean if you've never assaulted a woman in your entire life like you keep saying, then why did you settle with these people?
1: I think in a way I it's a better look. Get it. And I'll I'll explain my reasoning for that because by settling now, we're not going to hear from these women. I know they're going to have a a confidentiality clause in there, and you're not going to hear any of these ugly stories, at least from those 20. And maybe the more, maybe they're looking at it, the more that dies down, the better it is for Deshaun Watson long term. Yeah, it's almost an admission of guilt, in a way. And remember, he offered to settle with them several months ago, and they turned him down. I wonder how much, I know it's secondary, but I wonder how much more money they offered and obviously got to deal with this time around. And I know that's secondary. But I think it'll help him. I think he's trying to think where his camp. Maybe it'll help him for the suspension. With all the talk about a year at least, and all the last week and a week and a half about the negativity more coming out with the New York Times report. Maybe if they can maybe put a little stop a stop on this by settling, the negativity dies down. The sooner he gets back to normal playing as a quarterback with Cleveland, I I wonder. I don't have no knowledge. That's
0: true. Or or does the negativity? Uh, is is negativity amplified because of this? Is the negativity amplified because, really, you think you can just pay them off and go collect your $230 million? Well, we're even more angry at that and more people coming out. Or maybe more people coming out going, oh, well, I, I wasn't in on it, but if he's handed out checks, <laughs> I, yeah. I'll, get, I'll get me some of that cheddar yeah it doesn't rule so i i you know i i i just don't know i mean to me it it makes sense like you said professionally right get these guys out of the way we got a football season to play and uh you know you're saving your teammates all of that maybe i don't know i don't know that that saves questions at training camp coming up even though they're settled they're still going to come up it's still going to be a distraction i don't see them going away
1: See, and it might not. I mean, I think they're taking a chance, but maybe they don't have as many good options on their side. And I'll compare it again as I did yesterday, a little bit differently, though, with Michael Vick. Michael Vick was viewed before he went to jail, when those stories came out as one of the lowest members of the human race, almost, to some people at least, who were dog lovers, with what he was involved with. He goes away for a couple of years, and it kind of died down. When he came back and he tried to make good on his... You know, per, uh, the perception that other people viewed him by like going to humane society functions and donating money and giving questions, right. it kind of died down and people, some welcomed him back, but before, nobody was going to. Maybe Watson feels the same. The sooner right. this is over with and the sooner he starts mm-hmm. the healing process.
0: Well, Michael Vick went to jail, right? Yeah. He, 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 what's that term? He he did the time. You know, he did the crime and he did the time. So he was punished. And I think that's why some of that died down. He, he, You know what? He did the crime, and the crime is you go spend two years in jail, and he did. He spent time in jail. Doesn't look like Deshaun Watson is, but, you know, he did. Since he did the time, I think everyone went, hey, he learned his lesson. And when he came out, he didn't have to, but he went out and said, you know what? And he said, I. that's just the way I was raised. He could be a he could be as, as big a BS or as Brooks Kepka here, but he, you know, he's like that's how I was raised. That's what we do in this part of the country, and nobody thinks anything of it. You know, if it was, uh, say, it was cockfighting, if he was cockfighting, and uh, the people found out and the animal groups got upset and all of that, do you think a lot of people in Hawaii? I'm sure a lot of people in Hawaii would be upset, but I think there's a there's a a certain part of this population that says hey that's figure of cockfighting that's what they, that's what you know it's it's what kids grow up doing in some parts of the island right For example if oh we found out Kurt Suzuki was involved in cockfighting on Maui well maybe that's what his parents parents did and his parents before that and it's just kind of a family thing that everybody's involved in cockfighting. Now it's bad I mean it's cruelty to animals. But there's a lot of people here who just say, well, well, that's just kind of what some people do. I mean, dogs are, I think since dogs are pets, they're looked at a little differently than a chicken, which a lot of times is looked at as food or a nuisance on the golf course when they come up <laughs> to your golf cart.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, and that's a good perspective right there. I, and to me, it makes, it makes me think that with Deshaun Watson, they realized it was getting worse and worse again, even though he wasn't facing charges in the court system because of what happened. He's got the civil cases, but the negativity over the last two weeks, there's no escaping it. Well, I mean, there's no escaping it right now, and I think they tried to maybe not right or wrong per se, but try to get headed in the positive direction and maybe having at least 20 alleged victims be quiet and maybe also maybe some people are thinking, yeah, you didn't do anything, you claim you didn't do anything illegal, but at least you're taking care of these victims. Some people might look at it, again, admission of guilt. Some might think, well, maybe he's, you know, he's trying to, you know, get his life straightened out, and this is part of the process. I, I you know, I, I really wonder, no matter how this civil suit plays out or anything else, and I know I mentioned this yesterday, comparing him to Vic, and you were right. You know, Vic was a runner and had different attributes a skill set than Deshaun Watson. Let's say he misses this whole year. I, I don't think I don't think he's going to be the same quarterback, and I know he can be. But his arm's going to probably be strong, and if the rust will only last so long. I wonder if we'll ever see the same football player qualities that we saw in Deshaun Watson over the last five, six years whenever he plays again, and I guess it is an if he ever plays again. I know some like you have said you're not sure if he'll ever play again, and I wouldn't be surprised if that happens either, I guess. But they're trying to make something – uh, out of almost nothing. And I know the Cleveland Browns, unfortunately for them, are stuck in the middle, and they guaranteed this money. They gave up three first-round yeah. draft picks.
0: Well, good for you. Good. Good for you. Good for you. I hope he comes out and he can't play anymore. Or, you know, I mean, he's going to collect the money either way, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, think of this as this, this is his live golf tour <laughs> appearance fee because yeah. that's really what he's got. He's getting Mickelson money just to show up, and he's not even going to play.
1: How, why do they try to fight that somehow? I don't know. We don't know how the contract is written up. We know it's guaranteed. That has been reported. We know that. But are there any clauses where I, – I don't know what the clause would specifically be, but obviously regarding these cases, if he's either found guilty or if the, they, feel the, they feel the morals clause could be violated somehow. I don't know what specifically would be mentioned. I wouldn't be surprised if Cleveland's just trying to get out of it because i mean it's one thing to have an okay or bad quarterback like baker mayfield and the 15 others they've had over the the last 20 years but when you have a guy like this there's a big great cloud dark cloud hanging over them and as long as he's a member of this team it might not go away for a long time and they are improved on the field in the offseason with some of their pickups amari cooper is one of right. few others but this is not going to help them well, in the short and, term
0: and their defense is always their defense is is, is a pretty good defense and right. you'll remember, now the last couple of years, the Houston Texans have been horrible since the owner died. Uh, they've been horrible. They they have an, you know, The owner's son really kind of doesn't even want to run the team, but right. <laughs> he's, he's, he, he's taking the leadership position, I guess, so he can meet girls in bars or something. I mean, it's, that's the type of mentality the guy seems to have. So you'll remember. So when you think of that, you might say, oh, well, Deshaun Watson's on a much better team. You know what? I mean it wasn't that long ago where you had some great players on offense and defense like JJ Watt playing in uh you know playing for the Houston Texans. So we'll see how he does. I mean maybe it's maybe it's um I lost my train of thought. I just got to text. about him with the sorry. Houston Texans. It, 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 yeah, it, it, you know about you know, maybe it's a year off. Certainly should extend his career. And I'm sure he's working out and he's not, you know, he's not practicing with with, with anybody because I don't believe he was practicing. Was he? He was showing up at the – he was showing up at, and he, he was in the meetings. He was showing up at the facility. I'm not sh- – I don't think he was taking part in practice. Yeah, I but think- I don't know that that's, you know, being out that long is like with Clay Thompson, Clay Thompson made of, you know, him being out for two to really two and a half years. That kind of affect him. He's not the same as he was those couple of years ago. Still good, but still a splash brother, but not what he was before he got injured. So I, I think I think um, I think Deshaun Watson, he'll be OK. On the field. When he comes back, John's calling in right now. Hi, John.
2: Hey, how's this? Yeah, Hi. you know, I, I think um, I think. Sorry, can you hear me? I'm sorry. Yeah, we can
1: hear you. We can hear you, John.
2: Okay, yeah, you know, I, I think Deshaun Watson's gonna pick up whenever he, where he was left off, wherever he left off. Because it's not an injury. He's probably hiring some guys to catch the ball for him and training, lifting weights. You know, a guy like that probably thinks he has a lot to prove. But, you know, a couple, a couple of my thoughts. First of all, what a dummy not to settle on that first, that first girl. I mean, when you know you got at least, well, he had 64 masseuses. I don't know how many of them he violated. But when you know you get something down the pipe, if he settled with that first girl, I it mean, it, all of this may have never come up. Mm. And... Yeah. I, I I don't know who who leads his uh his management or PR people, but that that's a really it's a really messed up, I think. And um, as far as Cleveland getting out of his clause, uh, getting out of his contract, I cannot see that happening. They gave up so much, so much to get him. I mean, they 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 mortgaged their future for him. So you cannot just not take him now, because then. He's that guy supposed to be worth all the picks you give away. So if you gave away all those all those picks and you don't have him, you set yourself back for at least five, six, seven years. So I don't know. I think they got to roll with him. They got to just bite their lip without ever coming. I mean, they knew. They had to know that all of this was possible. Jail, too. I mean, maybe they, they had enough, you know, investigation behind it saying that it, might, it probably won't go to jail. But then you still know... They still know he had a couple other people out there that could turn things around. So I, I'm pretty sure they were they were um, waiting and able to, to take in anything that this case may bring. You guys have a
1: good one. Hello. Thanks, John. But you know, the thing is, when Cleveland made that trade, it was right after or soon after he was found, well, not really found not guilty, but he wasn't going to face charges in a court of law. A civil case suit is still coming up. It was right after that. So I would, makes me think, at least, that Cleveland had a good sense, at least then, that he wasn't going to go any further, wasn't going to go any further with more women coming out and additional lawsuits because he was already found not guilty. But the timing of it makes me think that. And you're right, John, like if they if they get rid of him, you know, they're set back five, six years, but if they keep him and this keeps hanging over him, I mean, on the field he can be really good. We know that. I just wonder which is worth more to them or less to them as far as keeping the Sean Watson with all this negativity or just cutting bait and getting rid of him even though they gave up again those, first, those three first-rounders that they're never going to get back no matter what.
0: But why would they cut bait now? They, I mean, they figure uh, he's probably guilty, but they can't prove it. And then they went to court, and there's no criminal charges, as you just mentioned. So, hey, you know what? He can play football. Let's go out and get him. To me, that's, that's the ownership of the Cleveland Browns, you know, the Haslam brothers. I mean, that's – they're – they're uh, – they're, 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 they're they're a couple of shady guys, you know. When you talk about that organization, okay. and so remember these are the Cleveland Browns. When you're talking about making good decisions and player personnel, it doesn't happen. You know what do they have? 21 starting quarterbacks in nine years. It's, Something like that. They don't. They <laughs> usually. They usually. They usually mess the bed. So I. I just don't I don't think it, it's too late to cut bait. You know, all of a sudden if you let if you go okay we're not going to pay him, well you, you guaranteed all that money. I mean that's even to millionaires or billionaires. 230 million is a lot of money. You're just going to kiss that goodbye? No, you're going to hope this goes away. Mm. But if he gets suspended for a
1: year and right. he's not going to play again Which I they're w-
0: planning on?
1: Right. Which they're planning
0: here. on? Yeah. Because look at the structure of the contract.
1: Yeah, I know. I just again, I just wonder if there's anything in there where they can try to get out of it. But if he can, if he, the reason I'm saying also is they might want to cut uh, cut bait or move on is if he's if he's out for a full year, they've got to go with option B. And if that's Jacoby Priset, okay, it's Priset, it's not Baker. I know that's a real long shot. Even though I thought it might be better, but if, again, if that no, quarterback has success, whoever it is, again, maybe nine wins or it's so. It's not gonna,
0: um, Jacoby Brissette how old is jacoby percent now 33 years old something like that okay yeah what i'm getting at is what you were getting at is well if he has nine wins then maybe we let that guy go and go with jacoby percent there have been four teams in the last four years that thought they might have a go with jacoby percent why isn't he with the colts why isn't he with i don't know who he was with last year or the year be you know know, why why is he with all of these teams is he's okay Jacoby Brissett is a very good backup quarterback, and you keep him on your team because he can come in in spurts and help out if something, you know, if somebody gets hurt. But if you're trying to build a franchise, and you're paying all these, you know, all these other guys all this money, it's like you're not you're not hoping to get to the playoffs through Pittsburgh and Baltimore and the AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals with Jacoby Brissett.
1: Okay, and I said that, that's why I thought Baker was a better
0: option. And but I'm looking if, down my glasses. <laughs> it, do you see me looking down over my glass, the top of my glasses at you?
1: That throws a bigger hint. <laughs> but what about if they get a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, who we keep hearing will be available? If they're going to go with Trey Land, Jimmy G is on the trading block. I don't think Sam Donald's the answer if the Carolina want to get rid of him, but Jimmy G would why be. Are the
0: we, why are we dealing Why are, in the famous words of Jim Donovan to Gary Dickman one time on this very radio show? We don't deal in hypotheticals. Why are we Why are we bringing up all these hypotheticals? They gave him a two hundred thirty million dollar guaranteed contract. They have to yeah, pay it. But so if he doesn't might as well play, play, if he doesn't play
1: for one year, he can't play, and that's a big hypothetical right, right now. So, right. That <laughs> <laughs> sounded better in my
0: head. <laughs> but that's I, a I big mean, hypothetical. But I mean, Jacoby. So percent- you're saying they? Uh, you're saying for one year they got to go out and find somebody.
1: Or maybe more or than one year. S- maybe, again, if they, if they could somehow get rid of Watson's contract somehow. I know that doesn't seem likely now. How? There could be a clue. Remember, there. remember.
0: No, remember. Listen. Think about things before you blurt <laughs> it out on the air. Don't hit send The show usually goes a lot better when you do that. <laughs> they were not the only people that wanted Deshaun Watson. So it wasn't just the Cleveland Browns. There were other teams that were involved. And I don't remember who it was, but it was more than one.
1: Well, Atlanta um, would want it Atlanta so, would want it but they got their quarterback now.
0: Right. But what I'm getting at is one guy had a clause in there said, if you get suspended or you're guilty, we're not giving you the money. And the other guy has, hey, you know what? Just come. It's all guaranteed no matter what. That's why he went with the Browns probably and not Atlanta or somebody else because they probably were smart and said, hey, if this turns south, uh, it's not going to happen. So okay, what about this? And again, I know
1: I'm reaching, but let's say they cut him hypothetical and, and they owe him two thirty. Again, I think there are different ways where maybe they, there's a clause where if we cut you, we pay you over a 20-year period, and it doesn't hurt them that much. Or if how many more women come out and file allegations and you have to go to court, then we have the right to void it or whatever. I
0: just wonder if they had anything in there to protect I themselves. I doubt. I doubt they. I doubt they have it. I doubt they have it. Because they had to get him at all costs, is what it seems like.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I I can I, I do feel a little bad for Cleveland's fans, which I've never said before. But you know, there's, well, franchise- there's a
0: lot of fans that aren't happy about him being there.
1: Right. Well, and I think they're even less happy now, or in the last week or two, when they hear about the possible one year, because on the field they would be, you know, better than last year. Again, with Amari Cooper, Deshaun Watson, a few others. Uh, I know they lost Jarvis Landry, but I think Amari Cooper is a step up from him. I, 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 You know, again, this is a little bit different than getting a guy that's often injured or just suffering thr- through an injury. They did take a chance, and that's why I think it even seems crazier that they signed him for so much guaranteed when there had to be a risk involved even though he was not going to face those court charges, you know, two, three months ago, whenever it was he got traded. Uh, but I, I think, for again, for De- Deshaun Watson's camp, I think they're trying to head in the right direction by – Getting these settlements done quicker, and I, I just think with the timing, with the last two mm. weeks being so negative, I don't think it's a coincidence that 20 women settled. They upped the ante to pay them more than maybe what they were offering before, and maybe that they must have made a difference. I think they got a little desperate. That was maybe their best option today or in the last week or so. I give credit to the four alleged victims who didn't, uh, I don't want to say cash in, that's not right, but who didn't settle because they're trying to fight for what they think is right and make sure he faces. For the consequences for what he did that was wrong, uh, but I mean it's getting close. That mm. you said, I mean you said high school football starts soon, but NFL camps open up in about a month from now. So they've got to, the NFL's got to decide it's probably next on the NFL with what they do, and then we'll see if Cleveland has any response to that.
3: Gary Dickman man. and Chris
1: Hart with the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. If you have a comment or a question, you can call or text us on the Zephyr Insurance text line, 808-296-1420. And we know we were talking about Deshaun Watson. I mean, it was just the news today that I think made a lot of us think about what's next and what does this mean. And to me, again, I mean, you don't know what to believe sometimes with the talk. What I mean by that is a week ago, some people who cover the NFL nationally were reporting a decision by the NFL could come down as early as today. And this was last Tuesday or in a week. That hasn't happened. Listening to ESPN Honolulu a little earlier today, one of the mainland reporters was saying it's going to be between now and the start of training camp. That's a big window. And, again, that's just really pertaining to Cleveland and what's going on with them. I do wonder about some of the other quarterbacks in the NFL. I mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo. All reports, and we've had Larry Kruger on from uh, San Francisco a week or so ago and others as well, all indicating they expect Trey Lance to start on week one in September. So what does that do to Jimmy G? Wow. Uh, Sam Darnold was supposedly – According to some at first, maybe getting traded for Baker Mayfield. Now the reports say if Baker Mayfield gets traded to Carolina, they're not sending Sam Darnold back to Cleveland. I don't think Cleveland wants him, and we can understand why. Nobody wants Sam Darnold. Nobody. Maybe can go back to USC. Wow. And remember, Carolina also drafted Matt Corral. Now he's going to be out for a while, maybe the whole season. I think they're kind of banking on him as of now, maybe being their long-term quarterback, if he can be as good as he was right. before he got hurt
0: there's so many needs for the carolina panthers okay this is a longer process we'll suck right and then we'll get another high draft pick next year and when matt corral comes back we'll have maybe a you know a star defensive player a quarterback we've wanted and something else so they're they're just as they're just having a longer process of getting back to winning and by then they'll probably get rid of matt rule right they get rid of matt rule they'll have a new coach and everything so
1: so as far as wanting to lose, knowing they're going to lose, that's why they want to keep Sam Darnold. They want to make sure the losing stays and they can get a high draft pick for next year. He's, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm not even trying right. to be funny. That He's been that bad. And I didn't think he was going to be yeah. good at the U.S. I didn't think he'd be this bad. But he has been awful. And there was talk mm-hmm. they might have even trying or maybe trying to trade Christian McCaffrey in the offseason. That obviously would
0: not have happened. Well, he's, I mean, his value because of his injury injury history, his value isn't what it should be. But if I was them, I'd trade Christian McCaffrey, too. For the sake of Christian McCaffrey, who's wasting his career at this loser of a team, right? I mean, he's a running back, and their careers aren't very long. Or, you know, you can get so many more pieces or draft picks to start rebuilding. All right, coming up next, we're going to switch gears and talk Major League Baseball with Eno Saris from The Athletic. He's on the way on ESPN Honolulu. You
1: do not like reggae,
4: I just had to move. Back with the animals, Gary and Chris here on
1: this Tuesday afternoon. I know yesterday we were talking about the New York Yankees and their big accomplishment getting their 50th win so early in the season. We're gonna get into some more MLB as we are joined here from The Athletic covering Major League Baseball once again, Eno Saras. And Eno, let's start with the Yankees. I mean, 50 and 17, I believe it's only been done six times in baseball history where a team has won 50 of their first 67. And maybe not by coincidence, the Yankees have done it three other times. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, they're
3: they're a juggernaut. Uh, they look really good. And one of the things that I like about them this year compared to other years is that even if they get some injuries, because they're a veteran team and they often have injuries, even if they get injuries right now, their young guys are looking really good, especially on the pitching side. They they have the ability to withstand some injury and in, uh, that rotation and that bullpen. Uh, and they've done this all with Chapman, you know, on the IL for, as an example. So uh, I think they're built uh, to sustain this this year. And uh, it's, it's funny because I think people in New York were calling uh, for change, maybe in, in leadership there in New York last year. Uh, and look, uh, it's basically the same team with a couple of new additions. And uh, all of a
1: sudden they're great. I think even in early April, there were some calls for Aaron Boone's job because they had a little bit of a slow start after like seven or eight games, but now it's uh, looking pretty good. And you mentioned Chapman out. Clay Holmes is maybe not a household name everywhere in MLB land where people follow the teams, but he should be. Yesterday he let up a run after I think 31 and two-thirds innings of not letting up a run. The only other game he let up a run this year was opening day until yesterday. ERA is .55, he was 10 for 10 and saved. Is this guy now considered one of the better closers in MLB? I
3: mean, he's an amazing pitcher. When he was available at that trade deadline, uh, I have a number that tries to put a number on stuff, on the movement and the spin and the velocity of pitches, and he had the best stuff of any pitcher that was available at that deadline. So they knew what they were doing when they went and got him, and then they had him throw his best pitches more often Weaked his pitches and made him even better. So he's got a bowling ball thinker. He's a little bit different uh, than a role Chapman, but he's, uh, he's still a, an amazing, uh, you know, high-stuff reliever. Yes, he would close for any other team. And, you know, I think when they do get Chapman back, they'll kind of work him in uh, and give him both save opportunities just because that's how the Yankees are. They're not going to uh, move on from Chapman that, that quickly. But uh, it's, it's
0: such, that's what I'm saying is they, they've got this depth built in. Aaron you know, Judge, Saris with the Athletic joining the animals here on ESPN Honolulu. Aaron Judge
1: right now to anybody is going to be the MVP unless he really tapers off. He's having an unbelievable season. But what is the deal with him in arbitration? Because I know he's up for a contract this off season. Won't talk about it during the season. But what is it with arbitration and Aaron Judge right now? Where do they stand?
2: Well,
3: his hearing is
1: tomorrow, uh, and they asked him today, you know, what he how he felt about it. He said he's
3: looking forward to it. So um, I think yeah. Uh, he thinks he's going to win that thing, uh, and it, he probably will. Uh, he made a really good bet on himself uh, to, to go into free agency and not accept a really large contract that the Yankees were offering him. Uh, he's going to get an even larger one now. The one thing that, uh, that worries me is, you know, one season of staying in one piece and, and not getting injured does not mean he's going to do it for the rest of his career. He's been pretty injury-prone over his career. So the the team that does sign into a really long, if it's a really long Mike Trout level contract, uh, is going to be taking some risk on when it comes to uh, you know his injuries.
1: Okay, with the year he's having, I'm sure a lot of teams would like to have him. As I mentioned, he considered the MVP easily in the AL and the NL. I'm wondering why Pete Alonso of the New York Mets doesn't get more love. I know you got Manny Machado, you got Goldschmidt uh, for St. Louis, but Pete Alonso leads the league in. Homers leads the major league in RBI with 64, and he's still hitting around 280. Where do you view him as what he has done so far this season? You know, it's funny. I, I, I used to work for a site called Fangraphs
3: that does have this, this stack called Wins Above Replacement, and, you know, maybe Alonso's not leading in that uh, because his defensive value maybe isn't the same as someone who plays third, um, you know, like Manny does. Manny plays really excellent defense. Um, but, uh, when you look at, uh, that offense, I think, you know, him and Manny are the ones that are the most indispensable to their teams in terms of, you know, they need those run producers. We're going to see now, you know, what San Diego does for, because for, you know, the first couple of months of the season, it's been Manny or nothing on that offensive side uh, in San Diego. So I think it's a little, it's, it's maybe Manny for me, but I agree with you that Alonzo should be in that discussion.
1: What about Fernando Tatis Jr.? I mean, he was so good last year, he got injured twice. He hasn't even played this year at first. They said he might come back in June for the Padres. Now I'm hearing he can't even swing a bat right now. What have you heard about how long he might or might not be out?
3: Yeah, they're pushing that,
1: that rehab. They're not, uh, they're not, you know, I've seen him
3: out on the field um, and he's taking throws and, 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 you know, making baseball moves, but he's not swinging the bat, so it's going to be longer. Um, And really, I think that he was a casualty of the lockout. If there hadn't been a lockout, he would have been able to talk to his team doctors, uh, you know, earlier. You know, uh, it looks like maybe three months earlier, uh, two and a half months earlier. If this whole process was sped up by two and a half months, he'd probably be out on the field right now. So it was a really unfortunate timing when it comes to the lockout.
1: A great follow on Twitter is Eno Saris, at Eno Saris on Twitter as he joins us here on ESPN. Honolulu from the Athletic, talking Major League Baseball. Uh, Yesterday, I think, was the first time a lot of baseball fans were aware of a 6'7 shortstop, which was incredible in itself, for the Pittsburgh Pirates, O'Neal Cruz. 6'7, he was 2-for-5 yesterday, had an RBI already today, and his arm he has is unbelievable. What can you tell us about O'Neal Cruz for Pittsburgh?
5: He threw
3: a ball yesterday over 100 miles an hour on the infield, and that's the the hardest that any pirate has thrown to the ball this year, and I believe uh, it's in the top five of any throw in all of baseball this year. Uh, This is an amazing throw. What's also amazing is he has now hit the ball harder than any pirate this year and in the top five of any baseball players uh, in terms of hitting the ball like 120 miles an hour. So he's come up and immediately – thrown a ball faster than almost any other baseball player and hit the ball faster than any other baseball player. And, oh, and on top of that, he had sprint speed faster than almost anybody not named Byron Buxton in his first few games. And this is actually kind of why these Statcast stats are so interesting to me is because they can become meaningful really quickly. It is super meaningful that he's thrown a ball 100. It is actually meaningful he's hit a ball 120. That makes him have something in common with Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. Those are the only two guys that have hit balls 120. So, you know, you're, you're, these are directly measured stats that tell you something about their athleticism. This guy is a freak athlete, amazing six seven shortstop who can actually play shortstop. And he plays with reckless abandon, big old smile on his face. This is a name that people are going to know soon.
1: Yeah, I was inc- I'm definitely impressed watching him last night with some of those highlights. Eno, you know, I know you got a game in Oakland to get ready for. We appreciate your time. I know we'll talk again soon. Thanks again.
3: All right, thanks for having me.
1: You know, Cyrus, from The Athletic, joining the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Again, the guy's name, O'Neal Cruz, 6'7 shortstop for the Pittsburgh Pirates. They've got 12 first-time players getting their first ever major league at bat so far this season. Might explain their
0: record. <music> Well, you know what today's been? It's the first day of summer. June 21st. Right. Oh, it's my sister's birthday over, lives on the mainland now. My sister, Ui. I don't know how old she is. I won't say, because word will get back to her. Happy birthday, Ui Zeibel. It's the longest day of the year, so that means starting tomorrow... Every day gets a little bit shorter.
1: Yeah, but they say the sun will set at 821 p.m. in the East Coast, which is the latest it'll do basically all summer long, too. So that's kind of late.
0: Well, yeah, we all share the longest day being on this side of the Earth. See, on the other side of the Earth, it's winter. It's the first day of winter.
1: (laughs) It's kind of weird, to say the least. So bizarre. I think Australia, right? I think Australia is winter, right? You're
0: you're still amazed by that all these years after uh, learning about it?
1: Well, I, I mean, it just sounds so strange every time you hear it. It's not like I think about it every day, but you know that concept. You know, we're not used to it. It's
0: also it's it's also National Selfie Day. Think Do you know who you. you know who invented the term selfie? Do you know who invented that? Rich Miano. N- nobody knows. <laughs> Rich Miano. Nobody knows, but they think it originated in Australia. Because they in Australia, they put an IE on the end of everything. There's Aussies, uh, you know, footies, uh, shrimp on the Barbie, right? They, they, oh. they, they say that kind of stuff. So they're thinking a selfie. That's what that's what they're thinking. Anyway, Maybe happy it's winter selfie as well. day. <laughs> it's, it's winter and there's not much else to do the first day of winter there. All right, our uh, phone number, the Zephyr Insurance text line, is wide open for you at 808 296 1420. Uh coming up, I want to get into the live golf tour just momentarily. Not really get into the live golf tour as much as Brooks Kepka and how bad that makes him look. And something tells me that uh maybe he doesn't even care. Yesterday we saw some news about Brittany Griner's wife, Cheryl. Is it is her last name Griner too? Yes, yes. Anyway, his her wife Cheryl. They were scheduled to make this phone call to Russia for the two wives to speak to each other. They haven't spoken to each other in months. I think it was February when uh, Brittany Griner was detained in Russia. And the phone call never happened. They were trying to call her. Brittany Griner, I guess, was also trying to call Sherelle. I said Chanel, I think, or Cheryl. Uh, Cheryl, yeah, Cheryl, and they never hooked up. And the reason was because at the U.S. embassy in Russia, nobody was manning the manning the phones. There's a, uh, I guess, a switchboard that's open Monday through Friday, and they set up this call for a Saturday or Sunday. I believe it was a Sunday. They set up the call for a Sunday, and no one thought long in advance. Not it was just slapped together. This was set up long in advance, and out of all the geniuses there, nobody, the White House included, nobody went, hey, wait a minute, there's nobody manning the switchboard. We need to bring somebody in to do that. Now, that's a little crazy, and Cheryl, I believe, yeah, Cheryl yesterday had some words at ESPN.com where she was like, you know, it's, it's... understandably so it's got to kind of make you think these guys are trying to get my wife out of prison in russia i'm trusting them and they can't set up a simple phone call what a mess i'm in but they did say the white house did say the phone call between Brittany griner and her wife cheryl uh is rescheduled it was a quote-unquote unfortunate mistake.
1: Yeah, I like that wording there. I don't like the wording there. That's that's
0: inexcusable. Well, I'm I'm, I'm glad that they used mistake, and they didn't use an unfortunate situation or something like that. They said, hey, we made a mistake. But it's such an easy one to fix. That's the problem. That's what makes you worry a little bit.
1: And it's also a mistake that... To me, didn't need to happen, and they should have realized, hey, nobody usually works Saturday. Maybe we should do something about it. As you said, it was set up well I, over two weeks in advance. Somebody should have noticed that, but maybe better late than never. They haven't talked at all, you said, since she went to prison. You know, somebody reported, and I guess maybe it's just their opinion on ESPN Honolulu Radio, saying that maybe they're, the Russia is waiting to do ESPN a prison ESPN Honolulu Radio? ESPN what? Honolulu, where maybe they were trying to do a prisoner swap. Maybe when Russia gets back one of their prisoners and they would let Britney Griner go then. I don't know if that's totally accurate, but I know some people have reported that they think that's the way this is going to end.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was uh, somebody who was a spy or something like that that maybe they want back. Do we know, are we positive that Britney Griner wasn't smuggling in hashish inside some vape cartridges? It, It doesn't seem like anyone's ever addressed that.
1: Well, I heard it addressed on ESPN, Honolulu, I believe it was on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, that somebody, again, a report says she didn't even have any any vape cartridges or they were empty. There was actually nothing in there that warranted her even getting arrested. Now, I haven't heard that anywhere else but that one segment on Sunday night, but that makes you wonder. I mean, we're dealing with Russia, so you wonder about that, and they want to get their prisoners back. Again, I don't know if that's true, and I've only heard it once, but that makes you think as well, would she be that naive, and I don't know much about her, but would she be that naive to try to smuggle something in knowing it's Russia?
0: Stupid's the word. No, no, stupid's the word you're looking for, not right. naive. Okay. Stupid. That um, makes you wonder. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I've just never seen anything about it. Now, the State Department has designated her, her as wrongfully detained. And I believe there's somebody, else, another American there too, that has been wrongfully detained in Russia. But um, yeah, I don't. I don't know how you get away with doing that.
1: Well, if you don't get caught, there were two military members over there. One guy. No, not if you don't
0: get was... caught. It's how does one country illegally detain other country's citizens without some kind of uh, you know some kind of some kind of punishment? Some kind of let's go in there and get them. I mean, you know, where's Chuck Norris and Delta Force? I mean, what's going on? We're trying to, are we negotiating with these people?
1: They they're said they have, but that's, if that's the country's law, you have to abide by them. That's not, again, I know we're saying she's wrongfully detained, but if that's the law, that if you have drugs or whatever, this is the punishment, I mean, you get arrested. So, I mean, it's like that in other countries, yeah. we've heard about Americans getting busted.
0: Right. When Paul McCartney got busted with pot in Japan, they sent him back home and and uh, and, and said, no, you never come back again. You know, that doesn't make sense that you're going to hold our people. We'll deal with them over here. But it's happened before. I, I'm not, for some reason,
1: I'm thinking the Philippines mm-hmm. with drug smuggling or other countries. You've heard stories uh, where, I mean, the story about um, the guy from Long Island, Bill, I forget his last name, but even Turkey. And there's a movie made of it. He got busted at the airport with some hash, getting on a plane, coming back to the U.S., he was kept in prison like four or five years, finally escaped. I mean, they made a a whole movie out of that. It happened. I mean, if that's the country's law, it sounds horrific, and it sounds wrong to us. It shouldn't be that strict and that harsh to punishment. But, again, if that's their laws, how can you say they're wrong? You can say their laws are wrong, but to follow their laws, I can kind of understand that.
0: No, I I understand that. I understand that. That's not the big topic here. But I was just thinking, I thought it was usually, you know, we get busted in another country and they send you home. But then again, you hear the horror stories of people in Mexican jails, right? I was at okay. a wedding when I was about, oh, I don't know, 21 years old or something. We all flew up to San Diego for uh, one of my classmates, my classmate Tom. Uh, he got married. So we all fly up there, and they all want to go at uh, night. Hey, let's all drive down to Tijuana. And me and one other person stayed behind. Just because i I've, I've seen too many television shows where there's some crooked cop that detains you, and you spend the rest of your life in a jail in Me- in Mexico. So I was afraid. <laughs> oh, we're on the air now. <laughs> what a surprise! <laughs> oh, hey, we've got tickets to Beyond Monet. It's an unbelievable experience, featuring the artwork of Claude Monet, and uh, we're go- tickets are um, uh, a lot of people are very popular. So we'll give away some tickets to that this hour here on ESPN. Honolulu, Brooks Kepka. you'll remember him over the weekend. I think it was Friday. I think it was Friday because we talked about it on the air, didn't we? Thursday or Friday. Maybe it was Thursday. Thursday. It's Kepka. actually Thursday the, uh, for at the U.S. Open. Um, basically, any golfer who was somebody, who they could stick a microphone in front of. The media was asking them their thoughts on Phil Mickelson and the Live Tour and, you know, all of that. And that's all that a lot of people were talking about. They did a good job of ignoring it like it didn't exist on the Golf Channel. But um, it was, you know, it, it was what people are talking about on social media and on blogs. And it's the biggest story, not only in golf, but it's getting to be maybe one of the bigger stories in a rival league coming in, regardless of sport, and gaining that much Traction. You remember the USFL was gaining a lot of traction, and they got, uh, you know, they got some star players from college. But the USFL played in the spring, and the NFL played in the fall. They could have easily coexisted. I think the I don't think the USFL really threatened the NFL at any time. I I, I don't get that thought. Maybe, and you were around because uh, in, in the East Coast back in the day, the ABA. Was that a threat to the NBA? They were getting close. players like Dr. J and Rick Barry, right? And, and guys, it was Rick Barry, ABA, Rick yep. Barry. Yep. So it wasn't a threat, though, to them, huh?
1: It was a novelty because you had the red, white, and blue basketball, which was like a gimmick. You had a three point line that was a gimmick. You had dancers like the Miami, whatever they were called, Floridians, I think, and their cheerleaders dressed the like Miami, they were Miami
0: So there were. There was a lot that of. That was one, Will. That was the one Will Ferrell was on, the Miami team.
1: I just, I just think it was more of a gimmick. Even though they had Dr. J, he wasn't considered a Hall of Fame, one of the best in the world until he, later years in the ABA, then going to the NBA. So I never really competed with the NBA over the first decade. No, not at all.
0: Okay. And so you don't realize what you just said, is that he was never considered a star until he went over to the NBA. Or he to wasn't considered a NBA. Hall of Famer or or towards the end of the ABA, but he wasn't really a star until he competed against the best in the world in the NBA, not a smattering of okay players in the ABA. Steve Young was considered a great college football player, but we didn't really talk much about him when he was with the L.A. Express. He went to the San Francisco 49ers, and that's when you started going, wow, when's Joe Montana going to retire, right? Yes. And... And it was because Steve, uh, because he was, um, because he was now in the NFL. So now that, and I think it doesn't matter to him. Now that Patrick Reed, Dustin Johnson, Sergio Garcia, uh, now Brooks Kepka, who's gone announced that he's going to the live tour. They're great golfers. They've got how many people? Nine of the top fifty. In the Live Tour, the top 50 in the world have gone to the Live Tour, nine of them. And you got some good, you know, your Taylor Gooches and some other names that hardcore golf people know. So is it the PGA Tour yet? No, it's not. But at the same time, will we consider Bryson DeChambeau one of these great golfers of all time? I don't think so unless you're going to get 40 of the 50 top golfers 25 of the top 50 golfers in the world maybe 30 of the top 50 golfers you don't have you have some you have some pretty good guys Patrick Reed and and Brooks Kepka, although Koepka has been injured so much he hasn't won, the, won anything lately very popular guy a star on the PGA Tour but again There's reasons these guys are going to the Live Tour. Now, it might be like Bryson DeChambeau, where he just came out and said, and it might be a case for a lot of these guys with kids who are interviewed. It's like, I got kids. I can play eight times a year and make more than I've made in my entire career on the PGA Tour. It was a no-brainer for me and my family. It doesn't matter where the money comes from. It was a no-brainer. I can take care of my family and, and spend time with them at the same time. Imagine that. When um, So that might be more appealing. The more you see guys like Patrick Reed and Chase Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau go over there, I wonder, is there going to be a floodgate opening? Is there going to be an opening of the floodgates where all of a sudden people say, hey, I've been talking, you know, I'm Rory McElroy. I'm going over there. Sorry. Money's too big. And now? The best players are playing over there. I want to compete against the best in the world for my legacy. If it stays the way it is right now, Bryson DeChambeau doesn't have a legacy, except that he's got enough money to last his grandkids the rest of their lives. Same thing with Phil Mickelson and all of those guys. Phil had no choice. He had to go. But with Brooks Kepka, is that like the – I can't think of the, – the, when you think of a more BS line – in the world of sports, one name comes to mind right away. What do you mean? You know who I'm talking about? Rafael Palmero. Okay. Rafael Palmero will forever be known as a dirty, rotten, filthy, stinking liar. Brooks Kepka on Thursday was telling the press and beating it into their heads. Why are we talking about the Live Tour? It's a black cloud over this great institution known as the U.S. Open. Now, was he neg- in the middle of negotiating a deal to go there? I don't think so. I don't th- I don't know. I, I, I don't want to call him a liar. But how long does it take to negotiate something where they go, hey, you want $125 million? Did, was he already negotiating that deal and he came out and did that? A lot of people think he was. I don't know. If it was, he was a bigger BSer than Rafael Palmero and Kyrie Irving anytime he opens his mouth. He
1: really think is. I, I don't. I, you're right. I don't think people are going to care about that in time. And you look at what Colin Morikawa said today to set the record once again. I've said it since February. I'm here to stay in the PGA Tour. That doesn't mean anything tomorrow because I think the shambles said right. something like that. Brooks Koepka did. And there's going to be more and more. And my point kind of yesterday was I don't know if there will be a floodgate of 20 golfers in the next two weeks joining the Lyft Tour. But I think if they get one or two, everyone, it's still brand new. They've only had one event, as we know. If they can continue right. to get another one of the top 50 and get another two, two three or four maybe they're not getting the number one golfer in the world yet but if they get some top ten top twenty I can see it shifting. I mean, the Shambo and Kepka have that rivalry, which interests people. It interests me, a casual fan. I can see it gaining a lot of steam, and I think that's one reason the PGA is going to add more money to the purses on some of the tours, not the majors. And also Jay Monahan is having a meeting tomorrow with some golfers before the Travelers Tournament to maybe straighten things out because it's starting to look like the Tour is getting more and more players than they did before they started. It's only a few, but there's some big names in there. And if that continues, PGA could lose some sponsorship money. You you never know i could see a little bit of the who story.
0: are some of the other who are some of the other names that you're hearing about
1: well um let get the one guy who's, go, who's going to be announced in a week or two uh on war, and i can't get his last name right here answer abraham, me, abraham answer was ranked 20th in the world not a big name but he's okay. 20th in the world and there were a couple of other names they said there's going to be another yeah, high profile abraham, name
0: abraham answer is not a he's not a journeyman i mean he's oh. he's a, a um He's a small guy. He's not a big guy uh, out of Mexico. And in the last year, he's, uh, I don't, I don't know if he's won yet. He might have one win, but yeah, no, he's, he's considered a good golfer. I mean, that's good competition, not a household name, but a guy that is going to bring the level of play up for the live tour. If the if the um,
1: PGA Tour doesn't have a major in the some weekend, and you know, let's like say the travelers coming up, and you got the Shambo and Kepka battling it out on a Sunday. I might want to watch the live tour that day because of that. That's just one example. And again, right now, as you've said numerous times, this doesn't compete with the PGA as far as the, the the powerful or successful golfers from one tour to the other. PGA has way more of those. But if a little by little they start switching, and that money's hard to turn down, and again, when somebody says I'm only concentrating on the U.S. Open, stop asking me, that's fine. But two days later they can switch and people might think, yeah. wow, what a liar. But it doesn't matter, I think, in the long run. They're going after the money and I don't think you can really blame them. I think it will affect the PGA Tour. I hope it doesn't, but I can see that it's possible because so many things have changed. I mean, two months ago when we first heard about it with, with Greg Norman and Phil Mickelson's comments taken out of context, I think some of us might have thought this will never be successful. They'll never get any big names besides Phil. But look what they've done in a short period of time. So I do wonder what the near future holds for them, and it can be appealing for some of the reasons you mentioned. Um, no, no cuts, three-day tournaments, things like that. Only eight events a year. Right now, it looks a lot more appealing in a lot of ways.
0: Right, and I think what people saw, what some of these golfers said, is to, to themselves, "Is well, let's see how the fans react." Oh, some people were initially mad, but for the most part, I think fans were just like, "I don't, I, you know what?" I, I, like I said yesterday, I think. Uh, you know what I care about? I care about spending less than $100 at this, filling up my tank of gas. Right. Uh-huh. You know, if this is the worst thing. And I think that people understand. I think people understand what we were saying. What you mentioned is, you know, the NBA does business in China. You know, all of these. Okay, when we go out to buy Nike shoes and their track record of Nike and the the human sweatshops where the shoes were built. Nobody has a problem with Nike. Why is that? Why, why why aren't we boycotting Nike shoes and Nike footwear? And, oh, why aren't we boycotting Nike-sponsored athletes? Like, all of them. Like, any great Hall of Famer, they're sponsored by Nike. And Nike pays me enough to not have any other sponsors when it comes to golf. You ever notice Tony Finau or Rory McIlroy or... Um, Oh, Harold Varna III is with the has the Jumpman logo. These guys don't have – that's the Michael Jordan yeah, yeah. Um, logo. These guys don't have any other sponsors. There's no Titleist. There's no NetJets or anything on the back of their shirt or a MasterCard on their collar because Nike pays them enough to keep everybody off their golfers. Yet, that's fine. We, we go out and buy Nike. I mean, Nike is the number one shoe i would say tennis shoe it's not a tennis shoe number one shoe out there it would made the guy a billionaire and he's a billionaire because of the sweatshops in china nobody has a problem with that yet yet Randall head is going to explode every time a golfer leaves the pga tour to go to the live tour i find that really amazing
1: it is and i, I think the nike part we can't not that we can't relate but it doesn't affect us directly so you hear about it, you read about it, but you don't think about it when you're buying the shoes. And they're so cool and so popular that maybe that's why a little bit different than when the Saudis kill a journalist. And that's mentioned over and right. over again, because some of us probably forgot or didn't realize it was the Saudis from that journalist that a lot of us never were aware of. Uh, it Osama, make it right, bin Laden,
0: Osama bin Laden was a was a Saudi. was a Saudi. Right. Yeah, that's true. Right, yeah. Right. No, we get that. We get that. Then, you know what, um, Mr. Biden, stop selling arms to russia so they can go kill people in the ukraine nba stop uh, yeah nba stop doing business with china leave the country they can't there's too much money yet we go out and support the nba and nike and everybody else and and we're gonna we're gonna scream at taylor gooch for wanting to set up his family (laughs) for generational wealth or bryson dechambeau who's got his eyes on more than golf in his young life he's in his late 20s he's like you know what i can play eight times a year and be well paid for it and have time to tackle some other things i want to do in life and spend time for my future family when i have one and you're going to knock that guy and not the nba and i think it's time to make it go ahead go ahead
1: well, I was just going to say real quickly, you know, when, when people criticize these golfers, again, like my opinion at least is it doesn't mean they're supportive of the Saudis or the people that run it, they can separate it. You know, you, like the NBA does business. I'm sure they're not approving of China's way of conducting, uh, uh, you know, their, their government or everything going on in China, their communist no. country. But of they're course. still doing business because it's business. Same thing with the golfers. I'm sure they feel like these guys are murderers, and they don't want a part of that. They don't support it. But, again, business is business. And when you're getting offered that kind of money, I wonder what people would respond when you bring up the NBA and the government when they do business. Why is that okay? I want to hear the people that are opposed to the golfers. What is their response to that?
0: We haven't had many people really opposed or chime in negatively uh, in Hawaii about these golfers, but we'll take your texts and phone calls from the Zephyr Insurance text line, or you can dial in at 808-296-1420.
4: And we say congratulations.
0: L.A. Ralph was caller number three. got a couple of tickets to Beyond Monet. All right. Make it a date night. Check it out. Beyond Monet, uh, playing now through July 31st at the Hawaii Convention Center. We'll have more tickets to give away as we go along here this afternoon on ESPN Honolulu. Hopefully, uh, L.A. Ralph is uh, it maybe uh, bring Mrs. L.A. Ralph and make it a nice date <laughs> night, huh? Yes. Good job. All right. You know, the. Uh, the it, it was funny because you mentioned it a second ago that, When Phil Mickelson came out and called the Saudis the scary MFs, and he wanted to take this opportunity because the PGA Tour was greedy, and this is the best thing is to have somebody compete with the PGA Tour because, um, you know, for whatever bunch of reasons. And now when we see this news today, it shows you that Phil Mickelson – was absolutely right. The PGA is going to revamp their schedule. They're going to increase purses in some of their tournaments. They're going to increase. Um, let's see. They 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 have a re- It will include increased purses worth at least purses worth at least twenty million dollars in at least eight existing marquee events. Remember, these are. You know, you mentioned it wasn't a – these are marquee tour, PGA tour events. They're not majors. But the tour – the uh, the events are, the tournaments are the Century Tournament of Champions. So that's the one on Maui. That's the one if you want a PGA tour event, you are automatically invited. You don't win, you stay home. And then the next week, hopefully, they come over and play in the Sony Open. The Arnold Palmer Invitational. The Players' Championship, which some people say should be a major. And the Memorial Tournament, and I guess there's some a, a few others, too. So get this. The sources for the increased purses will be paid from sponsors... Or the tour's reserves. I wonder how much the PGA Tour has in reserves. Is that what Phil Mickelson was talking about? You got all this money, yet you miss the cut, and you don't give these guys cab fare. <laughs> how much is in these reserves? Right? Probably a lot I, I, I more I than think.
1: And there were not be any right. cuts, apparently, either. No cuts. So I guess everybody would make in, money that way on those eight events.
0: In all of those... In all of those events that I just mentioned? Yeah, they said no cuts. Okay, so it's not all, all all tours. So basically what they're doing is on a few of them, great, there's no cuts. But how about having no cuts in something like, I guess when you don't have cuts, does that mean you have a smaller field? See, that's what I was wondering. If you does don't that, have a smaller field. Does that field? take away opportunity from your Parker McLaughlin's?
1: Wow, didn't think of that. But is that going to make it better for the fan, or does it matter to the fan? If you're watching on a Sunday, you're watching the golfers that made the cut, it's more maybe interesting, more dramatic. But if you have all these golfers that have no chance of winning, and there's group after group after group with nobody getting cut, I wonder what, how that affects the fans' interest on a Sunday for a tournament.
0: Well, that's what Peacock's for. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. But I mean, you say, wouldn't it be just because better to make it? it's kind of what they're – it's, it's... – It's what they're doing right now is the early stages of the tournaments are on Peacock, and then it'll go to maybe uh, 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 USA Channel, and then it goes over to either the Golf Network or NBC or, you know.
1: But why couldn't they maybe have cuts but pay the guys that get cut and keep that? consistent yeah. with before that's what i was thinking they were gonna do. Because that's what you kind of been mentioning for weeks you know they don't you know the live tour yeah. you, you know you know no well, there are no cuts but everybody gets paid in the pga tour you get cut you don't get anything like you mentioned some of the guys didn't make the cut this past weekend like parker mclaughlin well you got to pay for the transportation housing trans, uh other things with your caddy all those expenses without making anything that week playing golf uh, so why can't they do it that way where well, you keep the system intact but pay the guys a little bit that missed a cut? I don't think that would hurt them that much financially. Maybe, maybe they feel this is the best option, I would guess, but I would have rather have seen it the other way. And mm-hmm. we'll, we'll have to see. But it shows that the PGA, I don't, I'm not going to say they feel threatened, but doesn't that show, Chris, in your mind, that maybe they're realizing yes. they've they got to do things differently. They can't just have status quo and expect to be as successful and popular.
0: But why don't you just say, hey, you know what? Let's have a meeting. Let's meet in the back of a – let's meet in a uh, an airport somewhere in Denver, just like they did <laughs> when the wax split apart. Why don't they just meet in a – you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jay Monahan. Uh, Greg Greg Norman. Oh. Greg Norman and Jay Monahan get together and say, okay, you know what? We're the PGA. You guys keep it at eight events? You know, we we'll, we can work together. Why not work together? If they're going to keep it at eight events, or maybe they go and say, you know what, we'll go to ten. We'll do ten events on our tour. Why not coexist? And that might be something that if, if they try and do it, it makes more sense to do it now than later. Because later, if they start getting more stars, you're going to say, hey, let's just coexist. And the live is going to go, yeah, okay, we'll coexist with you if the PGA goes down to eight events a year right
1: but it's almost like telling major league baseball or nba cut the schedule make it it'll be better for the players long term you think they're going to give up money if you go to eight events a year to whatever they have now you're giving up a lot of money for those events i don't know also i don't think they can coexist as far as getting along well with each other pga and live doesn't sound like that sure they, right can. Now.
0: they could oh, but it doesn't they, sound they, like they can. want to right now right but for the health of your association for the health of the PGA Tour, you might not have a choice. I personally don't think it's going to happen, but you got to think that way if you're Monahan. They get along fine with the DP Tour, it used to be known as the European Tour. They get along fine with the Asian Tour. They get along fine with all of these people, and so why, the, you know, when the when the Saudis started the Live Tour, they were like, "No, we don't want it," because they don't want people to steal our golfers. But if you keep it up to a few events a year, and, and I don't know what the plan is for Liv. I, it was probably written out there, and I missed it. Maybe they're going to expend to 30 to 50 events or something. Who knows? But then again, if you do that many, a lot of these golfers are not going to play because they, they want to play less, spend more time with their families, right? extend their careers, whatever.
1: You know, when you say about, you know, they're not really a threat, I mean, the ABA and the AFL weren't really a threat to those leagues, the, N- the NFL and the NBA at first, and we know now they merged and got along well together after the fact, so maybe that could be possible right now, it just seemed like the words being exchanged, uh, some hard feelings on both sides, maybe with Norman and Monahan starting it, I don't know if they would collaborate anytime soon but it's also interesting because the pga tour is now going to return to a calendar year schedule instead of a wraparound schedule and the golfers are in favor of that well explain
0: but you know explain what you mean
1: instead of having a year round schedule they they complain they don't really have an off season so now they'll have a little bit of an off season which will make it appealing i don't again i don't know as much as you about golf i don't claim to but i wonder if they would have done that without the live
0: tour but if they no, they didn't because that's what people complained about. They're trying to appease the golfers. They're trying to change their ways like Phil Mickelson said they should. Even though Phil Mickelson, you know, he lost all his sponsors and everything because he said what the PGA Tour, in fact, is doing. We'll take your texts, and uh, we forgot to do that. We'll take your text at the Zephyr Insurance text line, 808 1420. And keep listening. We'll have more tickets to Beyond Monet, courtesy of our uh, sister company, Honolulu Magazine. We'll give those away. You know what? We'll give away another pair this hour. Okay? We'll have another pair this hour. Then we'll give away. Wait. How many do we have a day, Keegan? Do you remember? I missed the email. Two? Okay. We're going to save that for next hour. (laughs) So 5:20. Listen around 5:20 for your cue to call in for the Beyond Monet tickets. Okay, we're gonna do that. All right, uh Alan from kaneohe is texting in at 808-296-1420. It is the Zephyr Insurance text line, and we were talking about Deshaun Watson earlier, and Alan writes, uh, "Just my opinion, Deshaun Watson probably strengthened." His court position. In his trial with the remaining uh, minimum, uh, with the remaining minimum of four ladies, <laughs> he knows has at least twenty fewer possible wild card witnesses. You never know how, they'll te- uh, know, know how they'll testify. We were talking about, you know, does this make him? Is this a good move for Deshaun Watson to pay off twenty of these people who are suing him? So that's uh, what he had to say. Good point.
1: Yeah, but for the NFL, I don't know if that makes – I think it makes it easier for them to make a decision. I wonder if it changes their stance. And, again, an NFL spokesman earlier Mm. today said it wouldn't. But I I wonder about that. As far as the civil suits, I don't know how that works. I think they would do them individually. Does it matter that they were 24 and now only four? I don't know. But I think for the NFL, I don't know if it will make much difference. I wonder, though.
0: Oh, we got uh we got a text from our friend Mark Lau. I was talking when you mentioned the ABA team in Florida. I said that was the one like Jackie Moon played for. Mark says no, the team was uh the Flint Mich- they're from Flint, Michigan. The Flint Tropics in the semi-pro movie. That's right. What a great movie. Jackie oh, Moon, that colors Moon, though. Jackie Moon, he, he invented the um he invented the sl- the the oop, as you remember. <laughs> Uh, Daryl, Okamo- thank you for texting in. Um, we're talking about the Live Tour. He said it's capitalism, people should get over it. It's capitalism. You know, when
1: we had the big controversy, not controversy, it's much a scandal with PEDs and baseball and Barry Bonds, McGuire, and Sosa, remember it was noted maybe well after the fact that it was the media that really blew it up. Fans didn't really... Care as much as being angry as much as the media presented themselves to be. So maybe it's the same thing with the live tour. Like you said, we haven't really heard from fans here or even around the country, at least on social media, being so strongly against us. It. It's the media that's blowing up as being so wrong.
0: Yeah, and there are some people out there that, you know, the lady that wrote the letter, her family was killed in 9 11, and that was, you know, people jumping on that and saying, yeah, it's a horrible thing you're doing, but. You know, those people also r- recognize that it is a horrible thing that the NBA is doing business with uh, in China, and it is horrible with Nike shoes, you-, you know, using sweatshops to make billions of dollars. Those people, ref- they, you know, they're not, just, they're not just getting on the players. They're getting on all of these things. That's what I'm kind of seeing. Here's a text. Thank you very much. Uh, it says, Gary, three-round tournaments not recognized. Therefore, because they play three-round tournaments instead of the four days like they sure. do. So he says three-round tournaments are not recognized. Therefore, those playing the live tour will not earn points for the world rankings, which will eventually affect their qualifying for the four majors. Thank you, Hank, for that. Makes sense. I know they're trying to get some kind of exemption where they get into the world rankings. Hank brings up a great point, though. Well, you're you playing a different game over there. Yeah, so when when
1: Greg Norman came out with his stance, what, two days ago about this, trying to not really petition, but maybe petition the public or people that could change that to have those points counted, how does he justify that with what Hank just said? That is a great point.
0: Right. Greg Norman, of course, very in favor of three rounds because the fourth round is when he did his best choking. Come on! (laughs) Hank goes on to say, I would think if you're a one- or two-time winner on the PGA Tour, assessed as maybe a five- or six- or so-career winner, okay, so maybe you've won one or two times, you're projected to win five or six times, then if you're offered by the Live Tour, maybe make up front 50- or so million, so they should consider it seriously. So we are hearing from Animal Nation out there that, hey, it's capitalism, everyone's doing it you got to consider 50 million dollars if you're going to win six events in your entire life get the money i i don't know if they get it up front but if it's a five-year 50 million dollar contract there's 10 million guaranteed every year now keep in mind what if the saudis tomorrow just go yeah we're bored of this we're not going to do it anymore (laughs) right (laughs) then you're really stuck um uh, Jeff texted in, would the live tour sign a gay golfer? Um, I wouldn't think so.
1: Yeah, why, why does it matter? Not Thank you for
0: the – well, it does to them. they oh, they, okay. they they've, they've, That's right. They've killed people who are – yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, here's one. Thank you for the text. Look at how the live players performed at the U.S. Open. They can't compete but just want to get paid for just showing up. Okay. 808-296-1420, the Zephyr Insurance text line.
1: Again, that is just one tournament where nobody finished in the top ten. And the more the more time goes by, the more they're going to get a guy like a Brooks Kepka today. Let's see who's on next week. What happens when they get three of the top ten? I, I think it would be kind of naive to think they'll never get anybody in the top ten of a major. I mean, some of those guys could be top ten finishers. I mean, I know they're not in the top ten in rankings yeah. right now, but a Shambo and a Koepka have that capability. I know Dustin Johnson is older now. Or one of those new now, Patrick Reed, it's possible for uh, them to finish in the top ten, maybe more than one in time.
0: It's possible, but at the same time, you got to beat Patrick Cantley and Scotty Scheffler and, and, and Dustin uh, 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 excuse me, um, Justin Thomas. Uh, you know, you got to beat um, Sam Burns. Much easier said than done, especially when Brooks Kepka hasn't won anything in like three years. When's the last time Rory won a, won a, won a, won a um, well, Rory's not on the live tour, but I mean some of these other guys. You know, who knows? Maybe Taylor Gooch has a good run at it, which is certainly possible. But I'm not counting on Dustin Johnson to ever really win a major again. I'm not counting on Charles Schwartzel to win another major. I don't. I don't know that these, these guys haven't won in a long time. Bryson DeChambeau has, but he has since coming back from injury, and I know it's still kind of fresh. What has he done? But okay,
1: you're right. But look at the PGA Championship last month. How many big time golfers just missed a cut? And I'm not sure if Jordan's was Jordan speak, but there were some top 20-ranked golfers, a couple that missed the cut. Also, did anybody predict that Fitzpatrick would win the U.S. Open? Nobody would have predicted that. If he would have joined the Live Tour, you would say, well, he never would have won anything. Not you, but he would have never have won anything mm-hmm. on the PGA Tour. It happens. So I'm not talking about winning. I'm talking about mm-hmm. top 10.
0: You know what? The, but actually, people, hardcores, said this guy was due. And you heard that a lot during the broadcast. This guy was due any, you know, any day now. Fitzpatrick was going to break out on the scene just like they said about Sam Burns and some of these other guys in the past so I mean again you have to be a real hardcore follower I was talking to my friend Ken Ken is a hardcore golf fan and he watches when he watches pro golf on tv he's looking at the course and what kind of course design and all of this stuff that a lot of people don't do but there's a Certain population out there that are, that they're, they look at golf a little differently than you or I just okay. watching a game. Sure. So those guys have talked about Matt Fitzpatrick and said that he's an up and comer. He was coming close. One of the things that he did is he came out and added uh, speed to his swing where that guy's small. He's tiny. He's like Abraham Answer. I mean, that guy can whack the ball with the best of them. It was like Will Zalatoris. The guy weighs 130 pounds soaking wet. But boy, those guys can hit the ball. So that's what Fitzpatrick worked on. Now he had it all together, and he was ready to win. It was a perfect situation. But anyway, it's uh, oh, it's time for our M Dire Global. Thank you guys for texting in. Oh, one last text just came in. Which TV network would pick up Live Golf? It's on YouTube, um, the kind YouTube, tube. <laughs> what do you call YouTube? <laughs> just YouTube, YouTube TV, YouTube. It's on YouTube, which is a streaming service. Yeah. So it's not, but everyone—it's free to anybody who wants to watch it. Right. Um. Let's see. Uh, somebody did text in and say Rory was a top five at the U.S. Open. Yeah, Rory. Rory was. Rory did well. And uh, thank you, Fitzpatrick, put in the work. I don't know who's texting from the three four seven, but they've got a lot of great points on golf. Keep them coming in. Thank you, guys. i'm gary nickman i'm chris hart we're the sports animals ESPN honolulu 92.7 fm and 1420 a.m we heard news today in the nfl
1: that is not at all surprising and i don't even know if it's permanent (laughs) because we've been down this road before rob gronkowski announced on instagram that's why things change when players announce it that way it's been like that for a while that he is now retiring not going to play in the nfl tom brady wishes him well It is kind of ironic that Rob Gronkowski's own agent said, I wouldn't be surprised that if Tom Brady calls him up in the middle of the season or next year, that Gronk Gronk comes out of retirement, (laughs) which right then and there doesn't make it sound permanent. And it's only where he did it once. It's not like boxers where they come out of retirement every six months or so. I I don't know if he's going to come back or not. I loved him as a player. He's one of the likable guys to me in all of sports on and off the field. Uh, So I think Mm -hmm. he'll be missed. But people are now saying that's the best quarterback skill position, receiver slash tight end, maybe in NFL history, which makes you think. And I have a few others Mm. that I think are very comparable. And maybe one or two might even be better. Although Gronk and Brady were kind of unstoppable in New England. They were really good at Tampa that one year and a half. But uh, it is a good topic, I think, as far as are they the best ever. And I wouldn't put them at number one, maybe, in my opinion.
0: You wouldn't put him at number one. You wouldn't no. put him at number one. No. The, you, I mean, here's my number one. Deshaun Kaiser and Sammy Coates, Cleveland Browns.
1: <laughs> I know. You You took selfies Best with them combo. on selfie
0: day. <laughs> That's yeah. the first thing you Best. came up with. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I Googled, while you were talking, oh. <laughs> I Googled worst quarterback receiver combos in NFL history. I don't even know where I am. I am. I'm mean, at something called thesportster.com. They say it's Deshaun Kaiser and Sammy Coates. A close second is Brock Osweiler and Braxton Miller for the Houston Texans. <laughs> and your Johnny Manziel and Dwayne Bowe, also with the Cleveland Browns, are on that list. I don't remember Dwayne
1: Bowe on Cleveland, but that's probably why they're the worst. I was thinking the Jets guys would I be thought, at the top of I that thought
0: list. Dwayne, I thought Dwayne Bowe was a University of Hawaii basketball player. That was Troy Bowe.
1: Back in the early 90s. Oh, okay. good point guard. But um, I thought the Jets would have a number of candidates on there. To me,
0: though, the best on okay, that but list. Okay, yeah. okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute now. Now you're looking at what list? What 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 are you looking at? I'm looking at you my made own, your brain, own list. I made my own. List. Okay, because okay. Thank you for looking at your own brain. <laughs> Rob Gronkowski is one of the top three tight ends of all time. You would agree that you would have to have Antonio Gates and Tony Gonzalez up there, right? Yes. And then there's Rob Gronkowski. Now, you had great tight ends like Mike Ditka, but the position was different back then. Um, Tom Brady, you have the best quarterback that ever played. And, 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 And stop with the Joe Montana. I see you texting with your thumbs right now. Tom Brady's the best of all time some might say and i'm sure it's on your list joe montana and jerry rice jerry rice see and that's what, and that's what, look at it this way jerry rice the best receiver of all time when he when he retired it was arguable that he was the best nfl player of all time so when you have joe montana who's in the top three of all-time quarterbacks and the best receiver, it's a good argument to have. Yeah, to me. It just it, depends where you put Montana and Brady.
1: Well, and, and, and doing, well, I'm, I mean, the list that I'm making up, and that was written earlier, was just about the duo. Not so much tight end specifically, but receivers right. tight end. And I had Brady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Montana, Rice. Not easily, but it was, it actually it was easy. Maybe not by a lot, because there's a lot of great duos out there, and Brady and Gronk are obviously up there, if not the number one. But uh, Montana and Rice, oh, that – I mean, if you had – I mean, I'm not going to use the argument. If you had one game to win a Super Bowl and you were tied in the – I'm not going to do that. Just overall, <laughs> with my memories of the eye test, I mean, how can you get I better like than Montana voice. and Rice?
0: I like the voice. Well, you can have a better quarterback.
1: You know, when you say Brady is better, you're saying it so decisively that it's – it's not arguable. It's not debatable. I think it is. I mean, I know Brady is more super Bowl. Right. That's a tough one. They're bold. I mean, you can't go wrong with either. So I don't think it's a slam dunk that Brady is better than Montana, first of all. And maybe other people do. And as far oh. as the duo, I rather have Jerry Rice than LeBron.
0: Oh, oh, All right, text in who's better, LeBron or Kobe? Oh, to Pete oh. Rose being the Mr. Low Hanging Fruit, Gary Dickman. No, to Pete Rose be in the Hall of Fame? Come well, he on. Should.
1: that's for July. But the other ones I have. <laughs> how about this? <laughs> <laughs> how about these two, Chris? And you? Well, Kate okay, Manning and Marvin Harrison. Not the top, yeah. but up there. And how about this yeah. one? Maybe they don't get enough credit. Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin. You're jealous because there's no Steelers on my list, who I was thinking about.
0: No, I don't I don't consider uh, – I don't know. I mean, I, you could look at um, Ben Roethlisberger and uh, – what's his name? Heinz. Wacko guy, took off his shirt and ran off oh, the field. Oh, Antonio. Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger are pretty special true true so I don't I don't yeah I mean you know Terry Bradshaw's 59 completion percentage thing doesn't make me go crazy right. but Terry Bradshaw I mean he was it was I mean it was a different game back then so it's hard to judge him the game is closer with Montana in the 80s and I don't know if folks have another um, duo text it in it Zephyr Insurance text line, 808-296-1420. I mean, those are good from your brain. You know, Joe Montana, Peyton Manning. I mean, you basically find any Hall of Fame quarterback, and they'll be one of those receivers. Well, I wouldn't right? put there'll Eli Manning those... in there.
1: I, don't, I wouldn't put Eli Manning on that list as far as a duo with any of the guys, even Odell I don't think anybody.
0: he's a Hall of Famer. Well, I don't he think he's be. a Hall of Famer. You don't think get in the Hall I know, of Fame? I know. I don't think he should be in oh. the Hall of Fame. Okay, no. okay, okay. I don't think I don't think Eli was good. in Eli has had so many bad years that should negate the three good years that he's had. That's just my opinion. Okay. I'm not a voter, so it doesn't matter. Not a voter. What about Matt Ryan? You think he's a Hall of Famer? Matt Ryan? Yeah. Matt but, but, but Matt Ryan, the the Falcons quarterback.
1: Well, no, he's with the Colts now. But yes, that Matt Ryan.
0: Why? Because he was on. Two winning seasons or something?
1: He had more than two. I I think he's got a good chance of four.
0: Him. No, he's not in. He's not in.
1: Who would you put with Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre?
0: See, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. Did Aaron? Ro- I don't know how long have they been together.
1: Well, Aaron Rodgers had Devonte Adams a good five six years, at least a five good years to beat on top, yeah. maybe, and they'd be considered I think they're mm-hmm. a very good duo as well.
0: You know who's a you know who's a good duo? You mentioned Brett Favre. Brett Favre and about ten different defensive backs in the <laughs> NFL because he threw so many so many interceptions. He made their careers. My, hey, we've got a couple of texts at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. How's it? It's a couple of minutes after five o'clock uh sports animals here that's gary dickman i'm chris hart keegan Ota, you just heard uh is at the controls and manning the sports center desk for you the uh we got a couple of texts i was going to bring this up because this is a good one somebody texted in we were talking about the greatest uh, duos receiver or you know quarterback receiver slash tight end duos in the nfl and the somebody texted in patrick mahomes and travis kelsey and I like that and I thought of it, but Travis Kelsey isn't going to play long enough to have the type of stats that you'd need to be a Brady Gronk Montana Rice combo. Yeah. Because, you know, Patrick Mahomes is probably not going to play. For, I'm Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Travis Kelsey is 32, 33 years old or something already. But if they were closer in age, oh, definitely, definitely one of the. It would look at. One of the best combos. What do you measure them
1: by? Is it Super Bowl stats or a combination of both? And the reason I ask that, remember one thing about KC. People were anointing Patrick Mahomes as the best quarterback of all time after the magical year and the Super Bowl. They've only won one Super Bowl, and I'm not penalizing him for that, of course, but I think that kind of precludes him from being at the top of the list of of others who have achieved more. He puts up great stats, but only one Super Bowl I think means something where they're below a Montana, a Brady, and some of the others, mainly because of that.
0: Yeah, Patrick Mahomes was it last year or the year before? How long has he been in the league? He's been there three years now.
1: Well, I guess four years, where well, he didn't play the first year, but he actually started for three. Right, right.
0: But so as a starter for three, so he had that great year. They got to the Super Bowl twice. Yeah, yeah, it looks like Patrick Mahomes was Patrick Mahomes' worst enemy in the playoffs or in big games where he started trying to do too much, and that's where coach needs to come in and say, "Dude." Be patient. Be patient. It'll come. He was trying to win, win single-handedly. Also, people have watched film on Patrick Mahomes. If he's running and there's a receiver or a running back running parallel, watch for the no-look pass. <laughs> you, you, you never looked for the no-look pass before. Now people watch for the no-look pass. That's just an example. People are catching on. So um, I think that that with Patrick Mahomes – He just has to play his game because, remember, he's got a rocket of an arm. He's athletic, and he's a great ad-libber, and that's enough for him to do it. So I would be patient with Patrick Mahomes. Also, they needed some offensive line help a little bit, Mm. and and really they need more help on defense. Somebody else just texted in, okay, what do you think about this? Kurt Warner and Torrey Holt. That's another good one. That's
1: another good one. Again, I don't say they
0: didn't didn't play long enough. We're talking the best of all time, yeah, right. And that's I mean, it's okay. It's, a, it's okay to have you know your top ten. Change the conversation to top ten, and I would agree with that. I think with Mahomes, the reason, or one... I'm sorry, or is Torrey Holt just a product of the offense? Is Kurt Warner just a product of Mike Martz's offense? I
1: kind of hate hearing that. It's like Colt Brennan was only good because of the system he played in. Because you still got to be good in that system. And boy, were they.
0: Right, right. But I think with
1: Mahomes, it was a difference.
0: No, you're you're absolutely correct, June.
1: (laughs) One thing about Mahomes is that you we're talking about all time. The guys we've mentioned, except for Brady, their careers are done. Mahomes has probably another eight to ten years of being on top, and then we'll see what his, uh, his resume looks like after he's done. He's still very young. And Rich.
0: Right, but he's not gonna be able to but he's not gonna be able to do it with Kelsey. Kelsey will be long gone. Not gonna do it with Tyreek Hill, he's gone.
1: You got Juju, you got Marquez Valdascani, you got Hardman, McCole Hardman. I know they're not Kelsey. I'm not sure how though that's why I think it's really interesting to see how KC does this year without Tyree Kill. Are they gonna be business as usual or is that a big, big loss for them? I think it might be in the middle on that.
0: Well, I think they it depends on their running game.
1: Well, you got Edwards Hilaire. I think he's the real deal. You
0: know, maybe not all I pro, don't. but he could. I, I, yeah, I mean, again, I, I get an all pro guy. That's why I'm getting. Clyde Edwards Hilaire didn't seem to be the star that he was in college. Maybe he was hurt or something like that, but I don't know. Who's calling in? Ray. Oh, before we go to Ray. Thank you for this text. Here's a great one: Dan Fouts, Kellen Wins- Winslow. That's a great one. Yeah. Ray, thank you for calling in. Hello. All right, you stole my thunder. That's exactly. I was going to go
5: <laughs> old school. Dan F- Dan Fouts Winslow.
0: Yeah, no, somebody texted that in. I that was uh, that's a good one though.
3: Yeah, I mean those guys early on with uh, Air Coryell, they really changed the the passing game early on in
0: the AFC. So that was my my, Mm -hmm.
3: my thing. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ray. All right, thank you,
0: Ray. Good to hear your voice. And, of course, Dan Fouts, most known as the announcer during Waterboy, the movie Waterboy (laughs) as the announcer. Matt, thank you for calling 808-296-1420. Steeler, Matt, is this you? Yes,
4: hello. Hey, Matt. Hey, hi, guys. How's the summer going? Great so far. (laughs) It's hot. (laughs) <laughs> right. hey uh did you guys talk about that that pivot uh thing with uh mike tomlin yet do you see that no and, uh, the youtube thing that the pivot that has uh fred taylor and ryan clark and uh other guy i can't remember it's on youtube they did a, it just came out this morning it's oh my god it's incredible it was like an hour almost an hour and a half long conversation with mike tomlin about his philosophies his, how he approaches leadership, um, how he approaches men, and different situations that he talks about the Jacoby uh, thing during the Ravens game when it looked like he tried to trip him. Oh, right. Right. Jacoby Jones. Yeah, yeah, Jacoby Jones. He explained himself about that one. Um, He talked about a whole bunch of things like during the Super Bowl when Larry Fitzgerald ran off that one down the middle and – and then the Steelers were behind, and uh, he was like scared, and that his brother was on the sideline. His brother, the older brother, just kind of like slapped him and kind of you know snapped him out of it. And uh, all kinds of really good personal insights uh, that came out. There's so many all right uh, sound bites. That, that, uh-huh. So many sound bites off of him. You know, you always get great sound bites off of Mike Tomlin, but there were so many things that you could use as this like a motivational. Kind of piece you share with young, young, oh. young athletes, or I mean, it's just it's it's long, but it's really good. It's, it's normally forty-five minutes, but this is like an hour and twenty minutes. But I gotta rewatch oh. it. There's so many good things in that. Who is the yeah, who is it's
0: I mean, it's the pivot? It's a pivot podcast. Who is the host of this?
4: Yeah, uh, it's Ryan
2: Clark.
0: Oh, okay, Ryan Clark. Oh, I see him. Yeah, okay, so like, hey, hey Finn, thanks. Tomlin, I, thank you. No, we'll check it out. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Oh, I hope your family's doing well, your beautiful young family. Yeah, it's uh, on YouTube. uh, Already it's got 179,000 views. Uh, Mike Tomlin on Pittsburgh's legacy, Super Bowls, Flores, hiring, and future without Big Ben. It's called The Pivot Podcast. So if you go to Google, uh, YouTube, and just write Mike Tomlin interview, It'll be at the top. So if you're a Steelers fan or maybe you're a coach of huge sports or a teacher in school, check it out. And thank you so much, Matt, for calling in for the heads up.
1: I read one excerpt from that earlier today. I didn't know it was a YouTube deal, but Mike Tomlin talked about hiring Brian Flores. And he said, I gave Flo 24 hours. Give me 24 hours to make up your mind. I called him back 45 minutes later and got him. Just saying how badly he was, not really how badly but how much he wanted Brian Flores on the team. Gave him a day, but called him back right away, basically, and got him to sign the deal.
0: <laughs> I gave him forty five minutes. What does what does Brian Flores? I can't remember. What does he coach? He's a defensive consultant,
1: I believe. I think it's a c consul- on the defensive side, I know that I think it's a consultant. I'll get it right here in a second. Uh, and I mean
0: All right. 8-0. All right, coming up in about, uh, oh, I don't know, let's do this. Coming up in eh, 20 minutes, Dan Feldman from Pro Basketball Talk on NBC Sports is going to join us, and I imagine we'll be talking about Kyrie Irving. Kyrie
1: Irving, definitely, but also free agency, which starts in 10 days from now. And some of the team's prospects for this offseason leading into next season where. To me, I don't think Boston's, Boston is going back to the NBA Finals. I'll say that now. But those kind of topics we'll talk about with Dan.
0: Okay. the You know, a lot of talk today has been about Kyrie Irving on the radio. And, you know, he's making like he wants to go to the New York Knicks. And it's funny because before he joined the Brooklyn Nets, he's like, no way I'm going to the Knicks. I'm going to Brooklyn because my dad's from here or something. I mean, this is obviously Kyrie Irving is trying to get the most money he can or the most favorable contract yeah. he can. I would think that the Brooklyn Nets would be more than happy to pay him a $36 million max deal. That is, if no? That's not they the They wouldn't max. be happy about that, that? That's his option for what, this whatever year. The if he opts in, it would okay. be like 20-something. So, gotcha. Okay, so whatever the, the, the amount of money, I'm sure they're happy to pay it. But if your ownership of the Brooklyn Nets, or you're anybody else on that team, mainly Kevin Durant, you want that guy in your team, you're gonna pay him all of that money, and he's gonna decide to show up for half the games. Maybe he's not even that. Maybe it's down the stretch. He's like, um, I'm stressed out. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take ten days off. And then you go into the playoffs and you lose. The guy's a weird dude. Why what, what the, the the Nets want to make sure that hey we'll give you the money, but you gotta you gotta show up for work, and he's going oh maybe I'll go somewhere else. I don't think he goes anywhere but stays with the Brooklyn Nets. That's he's trying to get the best deal that he can. Yeah, most people. And then when it comes that. to a contract, if it comes to a contract, and the guy and they say, um, you know what, if you don't show up for a certain amount of games a month, you're gonna lose a bunch of money. I don't think it matters to him. He just lost $15 million this last year by not getting vaccinated, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: The, one of the headlines in the paper says, Pick your poison. Nets have to choose between dealing with the unreliable Irving or risk the whole thing falling apart. I thought you had written that almost. So they're, they're also saying, uh, which I haven't heard previously, that Kyrie Irving has said previously he plans on retiring when he's in his mid-30s. He's, he's 30 now. So he's not going to be there when he's 38 or 9 like LeBron. That's what he said, but you don't know if that's totally accurate or not. So there is a concern, and we know that the Nets wanted to be all in with him. I don't think he would go to the Knicks, but who knows with Kyrie. You can't really guess exactly how he's thinking. If he wants more money, it's with Brooklyn. I don't know if it's all about mm. money with Kyrie, and he just I don't think he wants to be bothered by management ever. That seems to be the case. Yeah. I'll do what I want. That's and, what it is. I, you know, that's, it's convenient <laughs> for him, but you know, but the half the season <laughs> thing was COVID. Other than that, he's taking personal days off. They've got to have assurances, reassurances, and maybe if he just takes off for personal <laughs> reasons, they have a right to void the contract. There's got to be some clauses in there if they keep him. And I know the talk is maybe the Lakers would love to get him and get rid of Westbrook. I don't think the Nets are taking Westbrook. Remember, Westbrook is owed $47 No, million. you think
0: Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant wants to play with Westbrook? He couldn't no. wait to get rid of that guy. Right,
1: right. That, that's not happening. But the thing about Westbrook that would help a team maybe is that his contract has one year left. If you get him like Charlotte supposedly has interest, you get him, and then the next year you got $47 million coming off the books for the salary cap. So it could be like a one-year rental. So that,
0: right. I don't understand how that really works, but what the advantage would be is you're getting an expired, expiring contract. I don't know what that means. I just heard them say it on the radio. Today.
1: What it means is that you'll have that much more money to spend in most cases on free agents the following year. So you want to take on a contract, and it's last year. You'll sacrifice paying them for one year, but then that money comes off the books, and you can sign somebody else and maybe make up the whole $47 million, depending on what the exact cap hit was. So a lot, of, a lot of teams love getting expiring contracts. They'll give up a second-round draft pick or something just to get – the Lakers might want them off the books desperately, and Charlotte might want to have cap space for next summer to be able to spend.
0: But why won't they have the same cap space – why will they have more cap space – if they take an expiring contract, then if they don't take him at all, he won't. Either way, he's not going to be there in 2024.
1: But you're going to have other players that are there, like a Gordon Hayward, as an example. Um, um Terry Ro- Terry Rozier. Excuse me, was one of the other names. A few draft picks. You know, you don't really want.
0: But them. they want those guys. Well,
1: not really Gordon Hayward. They Hayward's want Gordon injured. Hayward, don't they? Not not He's been injured way too much. He didn't even finish the season mm. with them. So the Lakers might, you know, they don't want Westbrook. If they can get a Gordon Hayward in their own expiring contract, it might work for them, or just to get that headache off of their team, it might be kind of a win-win. But the reason you take on an expiring contract is to have extra cap space the following year. So a lot of teams, especially at the trade deadline, you're only paying them for two months, and maybe it would be where the mm-hmm. Lakers pay part of the salary if Charlotte takes them, just to get rid of them. So that's what's been talked about uh, with Kyrie, though. Yeah, I mean, you know, it could be a disaster, and I don't think they're going to give him a five or six-year deal. It looks like they want to give him a shorter deal because of his history. So that's where who's going to budge first, and it all could be leverage on Kyrie's part to get forty-seven million as opposed to thirty-seven million this year.
0: Okay, coming up uh, in about fifteen minutes, Dan Feldman from Pro Basketball Talk with more uh, on Pro Basketball Talk, part of uh, NBCSports.com. Nice. Oh, yeah. Sing it there, Jerry. Good job. You go. It's Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu. Hope you're having a great Tuesday, Taco Tuesday afternoon. It's 525. Got a special guest coming up momentarily, but I do want to say, or we do want to say congratulations to Darnell Zablon. She was the fifth caller and scored tickets to Beyond Monet. Don't fret. We'll have more to give away. Tomorrow afternoon here with the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. By the way, it's uh, if you want to check out Beyond Monet, tickets available at Honolulu.com and it's uh, brought to you in part here in Honolulu by our uh, good friends at Honolulu Magazine. So that's uh, very good. Thank you very much. I mentioned there was a milestone in the WNBA, and today it's the twenty first. It's the 25th anniversary the 25th birthday of the WNBA. 25 years ago today, they tipped off for the first time. First point was scored by Penny Toler of the L.A. Sparks.
1: Don't know her. Of
0: the current, I didn't know this. Listen to this. Of the current 12 teams, of the of the 12 current teams, only three exist from the very first season. The New York Liberty, the Los Angeles Sparks, and the uh, Phoenix Mercury. Unbelievable. Only three. Did you know? Here's a fun fact for you. That distinctive orange and oatmeal colored ball they have? Yeah. It's like the ABA. It was designed as a gimmick just to look different from the NBA. But something that stuck, I guess. You know, the – WNBA. By the way, the players make a little more money than we thought nowadays. The minimum wage is about fifty-eight thousand dollars, and the top-paid players like Diana Taurasi and Skylar Diggins and those guys, they make two hundred twenty-eight thousand ninety-four dollars a year. So there's a, you know a few people making a you know a couple hundred thousand dollars playing in the WNBA. But if you haven't seen the WNBA lately. I don't think you've seen the WNBA. Like, if you watch like 10 years ago, I think it's a totally different game. I think they're way talented right now where, I mean, they're not all, you know, they're not dunking the basketball and things like that. They're not playing above the rim. But you've seen, you catch the WNBA. Wouldn't that be a fair statement?
1: Easily, easily. I know somebody actually had a dunk last week, the first of the season. It was barely a dunk. But the skill in the WNBA is widespread. I mean, we see so many great college basketball players in the United States nowadays that we remember the names when they go to the WNBA. There's some foreign players that are really good as well. And you have, like, the Candace Parkers mm. who have been around almost not since the start but a really long time and actually won a championship with the Chicago Sky last year. I don't watch it all the time. I admit that. But if it's on, I'll watch it it for a while. I had more interest in the sparks when Amy Atwell was a member. But yeah, there's a lot of talent in the WNBA. There's really a lot of good players and I'm glad it's more successful. One of the things I wondered about is the attendance. When I read about the New York Liberty every night they never have attendance, and then last Sunday, a couple of two days ago, Sue Bird played her last game in New York because she announced her retirement, and she's from Long Island. There were 6,900 fans there, a little under 7,000, their highest attendance of the year for New York Liberty. I know they average, I think, three, four, five thousand 5,000 here and there. I'm surprised more people don't go. The ticket prices, and I've looked them up. They're like thirty dollars, basically, for some of the best seats in a lot of arenas. So not that expensive, wow. and there's a lot of talent out there. You know, it's really good fundamental basketball.
0: They must they, the way they shoot them on TV because I was watching the game. I go, wow, there's a lot of people in this game. I don't remember who I was watching, but I think Candace Parker was maybe it was Chicago, it was the Las Vegas Aces or somebody like that. You know, I was looking and I go, wow, there's a lot of people at that game. Maybe it's one of those deals where they don't open up the upstairs and you can't really see it. Is, is that it?
1: I think that's okay. I've seen it, i seen mean, that in a couple of places.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but that's cool, though, man. I mean, that's cool, especially this week. And on Thursday is the 50th anniversary of Title IX. It's cool that uh, you see something like the uh, WNBA growing. All right, coming up, a uh, <laughs> Dan Feldman from Pro Basketball Talk joins us. After that, a uh, funny thing happened to Klay Thompson on the way to his victory parade. All coming up with the sports animals here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM.
1: Now that it's Tuesday afternoon, only two days away from the NBA draft, 10 days away from NBA free agency. A lot of stories out there. We're going to start with the top one as we are joined here on ESPN. Honolulu covers the NBA for pro basketball talk, part of NBCSports.com. Dan Feldman back with us. And, Dan... We were talking about Kyrie Irving yesterday and today, and you were the one where I first heard when I follow you on Twitter that the Brooklyn Nets are fearing that Kyrie Irving could actually consider retiring if they give him a long-term deal in the middle of that contract. Can you elaborate on that topic?
5: Sure. So that's a report from Sean Devaney of Heavy, and the the concern would be You know, Kyrie Irving has talked about, over the years, the possibility of retiring young. At some points, he's been a little more serious about it. At one point, he said, uh, you know, that's kind of something I thought about but didn't think about anymore. And then the last thing I've heard him say about it was a few years ago. He said, yeah, hopefully... He retires in his early to mid thirties. Well he's thirty now and he's been through a lot. He's shown with the Nets that he has priorities other than basketball and that's okay, right? You know, not everybody has to be fully invested in their career. But if you're the employer considering giving him hundreds of millions of dollars You might want to know how invested in his career he is. Now, if I'm the Nets, I'm more concerned, not that he's going to retire, because if he retires, if he walks away, you don't have to pay him. There might be some salary cap concerns. You know, it's not clear when his contract would come off the books if he retires in the middle of his contract. But my concern with the Nets would be you pay him to come back And he doesn't retire and continues along the same course he's been on for the last few years where he's kind of available, kind of not for one reason or another. Just something keeps getting in the way of him delivering enough high-level basketball to you, the type of high-level basketball he's definitely capable of, and it's just never enough for you to win with.
1: How do you think this will play out short term? I mean, he has until June 29th, eight days from now, to opt in or out for the 36.9 that he'd be due next season. Supposedly, he wants to max deal in the mid to high $40 range. So if you're Kyrie Irving, first of all, do you opt out and take a chance on free agency or the Nets trying to resign you?
5: So I don't think I'm opting out without an assurance that I'm going to make more money. Now, you have to evaluate. Maybe the assurance is uh, you're going to get uh, less money next season but a multi-year contract. If you opt in, it's only one more year, and then there's nothing you can do. You're, you're headed toward free agency the following year, and that can be a little scary for him. Uh, he's really got to evaluate You know how much he's going to put into this. I'm sure the Nets are – would want to give him a contract that's heavy on incentives uh, where it's going to depend on how much he plays, how well he plays. And maybe he's game for that. Um, you know, maybe he feels, Hey, if, if that's going to maximize his money, he, he'll show up. I mean, whether he will or won't in the long run, is a whole different question, but maybe he'd feel like he can meet that challenge. Of course, he'd rather have it guaranteed and, and not have to, you know, prove himself. He's has uh, extensive injury history too. He could try to do all the right things and wind up not being available enough to meet those incentives. Um, But I I don't think he can just opt out without having a clear picture of what the Nets would be offering, what other teams would be offering. There's not a ton of cap space out there. Uh, You know, I I think uh, a sign in a sign and trade is possible. But that's obviously going to require the Nets cooperation and opt-in and trade, something that could make even more sense. Because if it's an opt-in and trade, the team that gets him would not be hard-capped. With a sign-and-trade, that team would be hard-capped. So a lot of this is going to have to play out. Uh, I know free agency doesn't officially open until June 30th. We know how the NBA works. I think a lot of this (laughs) is going to play out before that player option decision on June 29th.
1: One of the rumors out there is that the Lakers would love to have Kyrie Irving and get rid of Russell Westbrook. I don't see the Nets doing a sign-and-trade for a couple of reasons. One, Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. Even though Russell Westbrook only has the one year and the expiring contract is kind of attractive, I just don't see that part taking place. Do you think that's a possibility? So,
5: Russell Westbrook wouldn't have to go to the Nets. It could be a Mm multi-team And again, that's one where an opt-in and trade probably make more sense because the Lakers are one of those teams that's definitely facing luxury tax concerns, that hard cap concern. So let's just take it to the extreme. Is there a way where uh, the Lakers could send Russell Westbrook to a third team and you use a first round pick or so to incentivize another team just to take Russell Westbrook? Nobody wants him use one of the two first-round picks you have available to incentivize the team to take Russell Westbrook in this trade, and then use the other first-round pick you have available uh, to convince the Nets to trade you Kyrie Irving. Seems kind of far-fetched. I don't think that's going to be enough to convince the team to take Russell Westbrook. I don't think that's going to be enough to convince the, the Nets to trade Kyrie Irving. So I think you're probably going 0 for 2 there. But if somehow, some way you can convince those teams, you know, I don't think it's completely outside the realm of possibility. Now, the way it'd have to work for the Nets is they'd have to believe this is it that if they don't take this offer, Kyrie Irving's going to opt out and sign directly with the Knicks or Spurs or whatever team you think with cap space that could sign him directly. And so maybe the Nets could get to a point where they just feel hey, you know, it's a first-round pick or nothing, just lose him out the door, I guess we'd rather have the first-round pick. That's probably the easier one to talk yourself into, but to, to find a team that would take on Russell Westbrook's contract for only one first-round pick, I'm not so sure about that.
1: You can check out Dan Feldman on Twitter, at Dan Feldman NBA as he joins us on ESPN Honolulu, talking uh, NBA free agency. We're going to get into maybe a little bit of some teams in the offseason. We've heard Charlotte might be interested in Russell Westbrook. So do you think the Lakers could make a move either with Kyrie in a three-team trade or just on their own? It's an expiring contract. You think that's a possibility for Russell Westbrook to move to Charlotte? And if not, what do the Lakers have as far as other options?
5: I think the Hornets is probably wishful thinking. LaMelo Ball is the point guard, their bright future. Um, Charlotte is a team that doesn't always make the smartest moves, so I suppose it's possible. But let me give them enough benefit of the doubt to think they're not bringing in Russell Westbrook unless you know, it's something where they're really getting the draft assets to do it. And that'd probably be multiple first round picks for it to make sense. Lakers don't have any good options. There's nothing. This what trading for Russell Westbrook is a multi-year mistake. They paid the price last year. Uh, they're paying the price right now. They have to hope Darvin Ham can reach Russell Westbrook, get him to buy in, get him to shift his style, to want to shift his style in, in a way that would fit better with LeBron, with Anthony Davis, be more conducive to winning in this environment. And not only that, Have it actually work. This is not how Russell Westbrook plays. This is not how he's been good. Uh, As his athleticism has declined, as he's aged, there's no guarantee that he could even shift styles if he wanted to. So it's going to take a a lot of fortunate breaks for the Lakers to to get out of this. But as you've been saying, expiring contracts, it's only one more year. It's a a two-year mistake, which is pretty unfortunate when you have LeBron James near the end of his prime. Uh, But at least it won't be a three-year mistake.
1: Dan, what do you see as far as free agency? I know John Wall opted into his $47 million deal. I'm not going to be a free agent yet. It could be traded. Who do you see as some of the big-name players in the NBA that could be changing uniforms starting next week?
5: Well, it is a pretty shallow free agent class. A lot of players you know, over the last year have signed contract extensions uh, or seem poised to resign with their current teams. We mentioned Kyrie Irving. I do think it's most likely he's back with the Nets, but because of the high stakes there, that one's intriguing. And the other one in a similar boat is James Harden. Uh, I think he'll be back with the 76ers next year. He said he wants to be, and uh, this one, the player and team seem more aligned. But he also has a player option, and it's, I, I think, going to be interesting what type of deal he gets. He had a down postseason. He wasn't the player they expected to get. Does he get a long-term deal and lock in? And, okay, now there's some stability with Harden and Embiid or as much as you can on a team run by Daryl Morey. trade is always possible down the road. Or – is it because Harden wants to get back on the market or because the Nets or excuse me the 76ers just refuse to commit long term to him is it going to be a short term deal where we're going to go through this drama again maybe next summer maybe the summer after that
1: At nba free agency nba summer leagues all starting in early july should be a lot of fun dan thanks for clearing a few things up and talking about the nba we always enjoy your comments thanks again
5: thanks for having me
1: All right, Dan Feldman from NBC Sports, part of ProBasketballTalk.com, joining us here on ESPN Honolulu. Remember, the draft on Thursday will have exclusive coverage starting at 1 p.m. on ESPN Honolulu.
0: As promised, a funny thing happened to Clay Thompson on the way to his championship parade. Remember, they I, I I saw them parading and celebrating downtown in San Francisco on the on the news the other day, and I thought it was kind of kind of not weird, but I, I don't know, kind of cool, I guess. I thought it was kind of cool that Clay Thompson was wearing a, 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 a like a captain's hat, yeah, like yeah. like a the, the, a hat the skipper would wear on Gig- Gilligan's Island, right? Right. Yeah. Or sometimes on special occasions, Thurston Howell the Third would break out that hat. <laughs> yes. Yes. So that's the hat that he was wearing. He was wearing the skipper's hat. And it was because, I didn't realize, he took his, instead of taking a car or a, a, a Uber or whatever, or a driver, he decided to take his speedboat to San Francisco for their parade. He, he streamed his trip live, so you can check it out online. Right. But uh, that's what you do when you're a gazillionaire. It's like, hey, what? I'll see you guys over there. I'm going to take my speedboat. boat. It's right here, docked outside on the lake behind my house. Or not a lake, I guess, the Pacific Ocean. But um, so anyway, one of the things is he lost his uh, championship hat, his NBA championship hat. You know, the one they they give you at the end of the the game? So he was wearing that on his speed. Yeah, he was wearing that on his speedboat, and he lost it. And so when he showed up, he was like, well, I'll just wear my, you know, skipper hat. And that's why he was wearing the hat. I mean, you would think that just in case they might have a couple lying around in case someone didn't bring it, but apparently not.
1: Maybe they didn't have one yesterday, I'm sure he could get another, but maybe that's the actual one that he got on the court, so it means a little bit more to him. But even like Steph Curry, Steph Curry wore the shirt that they gave out, the black shirts, I forget exactly what it said except Chan, but then later on in the evening, he's wearing the white shirt that they won the championship, the t-shirt, I I would imagine they get plenty of those, Uh, and I'm sure there's plenty of ones for the Boston Celtics, if anybody wants them, Uh, but Golden State had the parade, and some (laughs) people were upset, they didn't get to speak, they didn't have a rally, it was just a parade, no speeches. Guy named Draymond Green wanted to give a speech apparently, had to do it on his podcast instead.
0: Oh, that's okay. That's you know, it's like the the Patriots when they or sorry, the Buccaneers when they remember when Tom Brady dented the trophy, right? Because they didn't speak, yeah, they didn't well, yeah, but they didn't speak, I don't think, did they? I thought they were all just drunk on a boat. Yeah, that's what
1: they only showed was being drunk on a boat, which would sound like a good title for a song. Like a Willie Nelson song, yeah, but, drunk on a boat.
0: Yeah, but we do not, uh, you know, we don't advise uh, young no. people to do that. Who or might be sitting people. in their cars? That's a, yeah. Well, it's too late if you're old and you're doing it. <laughs> you know, you know. Let's think about that. We use we use the term "get off my lawn." Like a lot of times, you like things that are traditional, and I, I call you a get yeah you know, you're a get off my lawn guy. you you're being a get off my lawn guy. We never talk about the person who's the get on my lawn guy. Is there a get on my lawn guy, right?
1: Yeah. I
0: mean, people out there who are like just friendly and happy and no, don't get up. Please, don't walk on the sidewalk. <laughs> Take your slippers off. Walk on my grass. Be comfortable. <laughs> That's a walk on my line guy. Walk on my lawn guy.
1: I'm gonna be thinking about this tonight. Who's the most get on my lawn type of guy? Maybe Steph Curry would fit that. He's like a nice guy.
0: Steph Curry. Yeah. All right. And finally, and uh, you know, this is almost a life matters moment. Remember, remember Biff from uh, Back to the Future? Oh, Biff. Tom yeah. Wilson is the actor. Biff, yeah, yeah, Biff. He played Biff Tannen in the movie. What a what a fantasy of all time for fantasies is. You go back. You go back to the. You go ahead into the future, and you get an almanac, and then you go back to the future, back home, and you start betting on games. Oh, yeah. And you win a ton of money. Oh, unbelievable! Anyway, uh, I don't know how uh, Tom Wilson is doing. I'm sure he's doing okay. Probably gets lots of resi- leg- residuals from the Back to the Film, Back to the Future movies. Uh, but he just sold a VHS tape in perfect, near mint condition of Back to the Future from 1986. He sold it on uh, some kind of auction. It was a heated bidding war. And they finally bought it for $75,000. So, Old Biff got $75,000 for a movie that he's seen 150 times. They also drew in a lot of money for uh, VHS versions of Jaws, The Goonies, and Ghostbusters, too. But the new record $75,000 going to Old Biff. That'll do it for us today. We'll see you tomorrow. Josh Pacheco in for Bobby Curran in the morning, Kanoa Leahy in the midday, and we'll see you tomorrow at 3 on ESPN Honolulu.